0: D J K- Manny, K- Manny. K- Manny L Scoop B Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, "Yo, the best in the business." That's word, Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word, Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B. Say it. You know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews he gave you to fix on iTunes, the number one podcast, the Jordan, the journalist, the goats, so why Watch out, watch out. If, watch out. About it, if he naming them, ScoopD.com, do numbers like Chamberlain pin game is a gift got the gift to gab if he saying this gospel it's as simple as that now pay attention and you can see the way it go enough for this talking this is scoopy radio you're listening to scoopy radio get on his instagram now at follow Scooby. him at scoopy follow him yes sir. scoopy radio. radio in your area code on the plane on the train in your house while you're being quarantined i am Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you all are subscribed to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on all platforms. 2.1 million streams last year. Anyone from the voice of Siri, Mark Cuban, uh, you name it, they've been on it. And uh, on the line right now is a guy who's sitting at home just like me, waiting for the next move It's none other in the athletics, Mike Vorganov. Sir, thank you so much for joining the Scooby Radio podcast. Scooby
1: Radio. Yeah, of course, man. Happy to. It's, uh, it's, a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of sitting around at home right now trying to find work to do, trying to get through this one day at a time, but I'm sure you're, you're going through the same thing.
0: How the hell are you doing it? <laughs> uh,
1: I didn't say that I was. I just say that's what I'm trying to do.
0: <laughs> the Knicks, um, when you look at what um, – they've done this year they they had their head coach uh they fired their head coach uh they have um an interim head coach leon rose you got just a lot of different things going on if you could uh, in your expertise take a synopsis or have you taken a synopsis just on uh just your observation of the Knicks this season. And now that you've had some time with Corona, what do you make of it? Scoop Oh
1: man. Uh, You know, we did a, we did a thing for the athletic, kind of like uh, talking about the Atlantic division. And uh, one of the questions was, are the Knicks in a better place now than they were at the beginning of the season? And I don't know how to answer that. I don't really know how to compare where they are now to where they were in September. I mean, they made a lot of firings. They made one big hire. And just, like, trying to understand, I can't tell if they're better off. They just keep going from one plan to another. And if you're looking at the big picture, and I thought about this a little bit, is, you know, the thing with Leon Roses, we know nothing about him as an executive, right? We know about him as an agent, uh, but the Knicks aren't looking for representation. And, and so, I don't know. I've I tried, tried to, like, answer this question in my head. Um, it just, there's so much change, and I can't say if it's going to be for the better. Uh, really. And, and that, I think that's why the Knicks are in this like profoundly weird place as they have been for uh, every few years for the last like decade or so.
0: R.J. Barrett uh, was drafted by the Knicks last summer, comes in, has dealt with some injuries, um, but at, at points during the season has legitimately played well. In an NBA season where everybody's paying attention to John Morant and even Zion Williamson, what do you make of year one for R.J. Barrett?
1: I think it's been good in Spurs. I think it's been bad at other times. Uh I think the story of this draft is that it's a two player draft at the top with Zion and Ja and then everybody underneath um is in a different class. And it's like who's gonna be the third best player in this draft class, in the twenty nineteen draft class? I think it's hard to say right now. I think RJ can make a case for it. You know, at times he's been kind of that bully wing who can get to the basket whenever he wants and get layups, get fouls. Um at other times it's really clear that the fact that he can't shoot right now and this jump shot has been a question for the last year coming into the draft two is really gonna impact his career and probably uh, determine the trajectory of it. I-, I think there's a chance he becomes a really good player, but I wouldn't say it's for certain and I've seen, you know, other places, you know, our John Hollinger from the Athletic pretty much uh has <laughs> been pretty down on R.J. in this draft class outside of John Zion. I'm, i think I'm a little higher on RV, maybe it's from watching him every day and getting to know him a little bit but um it's hard to say right now what kind of player rj will be uh which is really a lot of uncertainty like they don't have one for sure future all-star on the team right now even as good as rj has shown at times he can be this season and um really you know how good is this jump shot going to be and that's the big question with him i don't know you can't project
0: that yeah no that that's 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 fair right on the line talk with the athletics Mike brokenham Mike when you look at uh David Fisdale's philosophy um, versus Mike Miller, one thing that of course, yeah Mike Miller, I have to get used to saying Mike Miller because <laughs> I think of I think of the other Mike Miller uh, NBA champion yeah. right um when you look at their philosophies their coaching philosophies, one of the things that I find interesting is the difference in how um Julius Randle was used in Fisdale's system versus Miller's. What has been your observation?
1: Uh, the difference in how Julius Randle has been used, you know, he's been given less free reign. Uh, that, you know, David Fizzell really let Julius Randle do whatever he wanted, ran the offense through, him, he started the season saying that was going to be his point forward. Mike Miller's tried to uh, take it down a notch, you know, giving more emphasis to Elsa Payton too. And, and I think that the fact that Peyton came back, coincided with the start of Mike Miller's uh, time, as interim coach, uh, was important for both those guys. You know, we've seen Julius Randall be more control. I think he's out in like 20 and 11 for the last month or so, basically, of the season. Um, he's been more efficient. And, and I think that's been the biggest difference. Is he figured out a little bit how to play within his role, how to be uh, less ball dominant, kind of. And, uh, that's the difference. And David Fizzle, there seems to be no repercussions for him for whatever he was doing. It was like, okay, we're going to work this out, but so you keep doing what you're doing. Whereas Mike Miller has kind of oriented the offense a little bit away from Julius Randle. And that's probably best for him because, um, you know, I don't think he's, he's shown that he's fit to be the number one clear cut option on our team. Hmm.
0: Yeah, man. I, I definitely, I, when Julius Randle came in, um, I've always looked at him as a blue collar um DeMarcus Cousins a blue collar more healthier DeMarcus Cousins um and you know a, a potential all-stars this season but I think that their record you know definitely dictated things and I think earlier in the season you were trying to figure out what was what uh in that system particularly because you got a lot of guys that play the same position uh in that three four five tweener role how do you think Mike Miller has balanced that out with with a lot of guys that play the same position? Well, I want to
1: ask you, I mean, what makes you think of the cousins Randall comparison? It seems like, um, you know, Cousins at least did it as number one option in Sacramento for a lot of years. Randall had never quite proven it before,
0: right? Yeah. When I say Cousins, I guess I mean like a, a mobile power forward center, more so power forward that has three skills that can fill up a stat sheet. When you look at um, what Randall did last year, he put up solid numbers, consistent numbers. Um, but I think he did it as a second option to Anthony Davis last season, but Anthony Davis was out because we knew that that, that trade was imminent. It kind of, it's, it's almost like he, he padded up his desk cause he knew he would probably be out, be out of there. But I think when he played in Los Angeles, he was also, like you said, he was playing second fiddle to D'Angelo and, and to Kobe. But I think that that's why I say blue collar guy, because he's a, a, a four five that can, that
1: has a quarter
0: where it's like a two or a three. Um, and, and can fill up a stat sheet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big difference is when you go from, you know, the supporting role, which even he was last year with, you know, when Anthony Davis was out there and then Drew mm-hmm. Holiday was out there is when everybody's focused on you. You know, we've seen how many times have we seen this season where he gets the ball at the top of the key, drives into the lane, gets double, triple teamed and everything kind of just stops or breaks down. Um, and, you know the Knicks have to figure out a way next year. I think to make sure that doesn't happen as often. Get him help. Get him the ball in different positions. If you, I'm sure you watched him play with the Pelicans too, and you saw how much he got the ball, like on the on the break, uh, gaining steam as he went downhill, or how he got the ball with a lot better spacing. I think that's what they're gonna have to figure out if they bring Jewish back: how to optimize the court
0: for him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Coaching changes. Uh, you look at the Nets. You look at the Knicks. They both have interim head coaches. Um, two-part question. Could you see the Knicks bringing in Kenny Atkinson?
1: For sure. I think he'd be a great hire if they can get him. Health studies, uh, <laughs> as everyone has pointed out since he got fired, that he's a CAA guy, right? Like, we don't know what the CAA effect is going to be on the Knicks going forward. Um, but we also can't discount that there will be a CAA effect on the Knicks going forward because we've seen it in the past. And it makes sense to some degree, too. Um, I can see the Knicks doing it. He'd be great. He'd be perfect for where they are right now too, right? Like, that's where he took over with the Nets. It was, they needed to build, uh, culture. They needed to really do, uh, a lot of player development. Um, they need to figure out who they were. And the Knicks are in the same exact place right now, uh, with a little bit better talent with RJ and Mitchell Robinson and Knox and Milokina already, uh, with the franchise. But I think if they can, if they can hire him, that would be a great hire for the Knicks. The question is, like, how many options will Kenny have this offseason?
0: Do you think the Knicks will have an option, or, or rather, a uh, a interest in Jason Kidd? Uh yeah,
1: I think anything is possible. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think that would be a weird way to go, don't you think? Like considering his history, he's a big personality. Um, Leon Rose seems to be more of like a low key kind of guy. I don't I don't know if he's got much of a past with Jason Kidd either. Um, I don't I don't know if that's the guy that he wants. To coach his team, but then again, we don't really know what he's looking for. To coach sure. his team. I mean, yeah. I th- I think if you're comparing it, I'd rather have Tom Thibodeau because he's got a long track record, a track record of success compared to like Jason
0: Kidd. And and that's been talked about for some time, the Tom Thibodeau uh, relationship uh, with CAA and or Leon Rose. What are you hearing about? I mean, obviously with with the coronavirus and everybody being shut down. Before that, what were you hearing as far as um, potential, um, movement in that direction.
1: Probably the same thing you are. You know, it's just like everyone, when you're, when you're talking to people around the league, it's like, Hey, who do you think is going to be the next coach? A lot of people bring up Tom Thibodeau because Leon and Tom go way back. He is, um, you know, a CA guy. And so, you know, sometimes that's the first name that comes to mind. And so it's easy to connect the dots there. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that it'll happen, but he's sure. probably gotten in there and in, look, I think when we're trying to figure out all this, like who's the next coach, who's the GM going to be, uh, who, you know, like will the Knicks really rely on CAA clients? A lot of it is like understanding comfort and knowing who you know. And so if you're going to be making these hires, if you're going to be hiring players, uh, signing players, trading for them, you want to have a lot of information on them. And if you've worked with them before, then you probably have more information on them than other players and coaches that you haven't. And so I think the the bias in that way kind of works like that, right? It's not like I'm going to hire them or sign them because they're C.A. guys. It's I know them better than I know everyone else, And so I have more certainty there, right? And I think that that's how that could work. Uh, whenever whenever the NBA unfreezes.
0: Back in uh, February at the NBA trading deadline, I had reported that the Knicks and the Warriors were discussing uh, a, a potential trade. Uh, that the holdups were, you know, Mitchell Robinson and, you know, some of those other factors for somebody who was covering the Knicks, well, who is covering the Knicks rather, um, would you have liked to see D'Angelo Russell in New York city back in New
1: York I city? Th- yeah. I, I think he would have been a good addition for the Knicks. Like I thought they should have been more interested in him in free agency this past summer, especially with what they ended up doing. Uh The question is like, what do you give up to get him? You know, I don't know. I don't think trading Mitchell Robinson would have been the right move because he's already good. He's young. He's going to be really cheap in the next two seasons after this. I, I think maybe even like moving your first round pick would have been a better play just because like right now, uh, they're what they have like a 50% chance of getting the seventh or eighth pick and what's supposed to be a weak draft.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. I, I'd rather give that up than give up something that you do know what you have with Mitchell Robinson. I, I, what were you thinking? Like do you think that Mitchell Robinson for? You know, in a trade for D'Angelo, it would have been too much or it would have been
0: enough? I think that based upon the information I had, I felt that the the Warriors were trolling. Um, But I also (laughs) think, I personally also think that when you're right, like, you know what you have, you know what's familiar. And I also think that you never go wrong um, with having a big man. I think the big man is returning um and a, and a lot of aspects maybe not your traditional big man but a big man uh, a guy that can block a guy that uh, like you look at mitchell right he can he can rebound he can score he can he can block shots like th- that's i'd rather have a, a, a draw four uno card in my arsenal than a skip two
1: <laughs> hey by the way if the Warriors were trolling, listen you gotta ask right you don't know what you can get unless you ask for it true no say yes, right? You never know how, know how these deals work. Isn't that like the whole thing with the Celtics Nets trade and the KG Pierce trade? Like the, the Celtics just kept asking for picks and they kept getting them, so they said,
0: screw it, we'll keep going. Um Yeah. Hey, you never know. Yeah, like New York Lotto. Hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm with you on bigs, although, I don't know. I think you can only play one big at a time. Uh, especially if it's like Robinson, who can't shoot. I think you need to go. Uh, you know, I'm 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 more in on small ball, but I think you still need a big. And what makes Robinson so good is that he can protect the rim. He can switch out onto guards on the perimeter. Like that's really valuable.
0: Yeah, and he's young. And he's young. Scooby Radio on the line with Mike Morgan. I'm Mike, what got you into journalism? When did you start? What was your point of entry?
1: Oh man. Uh, honestly, I I started. out at the Rutgers. And I think I started writing for the school paper, like, my sophomore year. And I just did it just for fun. Like, I was a big sports fan, like, everyone is. And then I was like, oh, let me try this. And uh, I started covering track and field just because I ran track in high school. And I was like, oh, this is something I know. This will be simple. um, Need something to do. And then I just really liked it. Like, I didn't get into it to try to be a sports writer or anything like that. I didn't even know what I wanted to do in college. Um and it stuck. And then I ended up covering Rutgers college uh, men's basketball team for two years, which is like a good precursor to covering the Knicks because that was another bad team that was always getting into trouble for one reason or another. Uh, <laughs> I tried to get a job out of college. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get any internships. So, you know, it was it was a long way to get here.
0: Yeah. Uh, where have you seen it change? Uh, athletic is definitely something that's new, that's working. You've got a lot of personalities that are there. Uh, David Aldridge, Shwania, um, and and uh, a bunch of people that are there. Um, how have you seen the vortex of journalism change since you started in college to now? Man,
1: how has it changed? Wow. Uh, that's, you know, one, like the newspaper model has completely changed, right? Like it used to be, few national guys and then you know you go to the beat writers and you're writing every day two three times a day and like there weren't that many people writing for the internet there weren't that many different voices out there it was like very similar i think the great thing about uh, you know basketball terms and what it is there's different points of view i don't think it's various enough i don't think that there's enough of that i think that it still uh sounds the same in too many places there's too many of the same you know, people saying there's not enough diversity. And the nice thing is, though, that it does seem to be getting better slowly. Um, I think the biggest thing is there's more places that are just, like, trying shit. <laughs> I don't know if I curse on this podcast, but there's just more people that are trying weird things and covering teams um, in covering the league in whatever way they want to instead of following a formula. And I think that's great. Um, I, I think the more that people can be unique in how they cover basketball and just write about or talk about or do video um, about the league and the way that they want to that doesn't follow just like the same rules that they've always done it is better off. Like, I think things, it makes things more interesting. I think the way we're doing it at the athletic is awesome. I was with Roger before I started working for uh for us, like we've got so many different people who cover teams in so many different ways, you know, like Fred Katz doesn't do the same thing that uh, you know, Kelly Eco does in Houston, right? I don't do the same thing that like uh Nick Cosmeter does in Denver. Like and we got Sam Amick and Shams, like you said, and DA, like it's so many different voices. And I think it's the same way across basketball journals and too. It's like there's so many different people doing
0: so much stuff it's hard to keep up. No, nah, I like it. I like it. What are you what is one thing that you've done or that you've learned that you've learned about yourself? during this uh, semi-quarantine process with
1: coronavirus? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I think, and listen, I think this is going to be the case for all of us. I'm learning very quickly now how much patience I have. Um, (laughs) I thought I had more. I'm learning that maybe it might be less than I originally thought. Uh, You know, like, I don't know how you felt. Like, this is hard. You know, we're all going to be tested, I think, for a few weeks, for probably maybe a few months. self-quarantine isolated we're going to be learning to live in a totally different way uh it's going to be difficult like this is going to be the i think for a lot of people the, the hardest thing that they've done and i think the one thing i've learned is like i'm bad with routines and i'm bad at just like having a normal day especially if you're covering a team right you've always got weird hours you're going to sleep at different times you're eating at different times i'm kind of like settling into this whole nine to five type of thing nine to six, like trying to create some structure in my life. I think I kind of missed it all, all my life. I, I think I should have done this sooner. That's, that's kind of what I'm learning. I should have tried this routine thing earlier.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Um, to be honest with you, nothing has really changed for me because I'm not, I, because I'm working from home anyway. I'm recording my podcast. I'm writing from home. If I have to go to the venue, I do it and then I leave. Um, What I'm learning is a lot of people are adjusting to that life, and it's interesting to see how other people are adjusting to that life. Yeah, like I have, like I have, I have a friend who works in travel, and the office shut down, and they made themselves expendable by getting the office phone installed in their house. So they're still able to take calls from the office at home. And it's like, wow, why didn't you guys think of this sooner? Like everybody doesn't have to be in the office all the time. Every, every, every meeting doesn't have to be a meeting. It could be a conference call or FaceTime.
1: Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. And I work from home a lot. Like before I started coming next to, sometimes you just want to go out and see people, you know? True. Uh, like, you need that social interaction sometimes. You go, you get cabin fever, you get stir crazy. Um, radio. I, I think the working from home thing is really gonna, God, you know, look, I don't know what the workplace is gonna look like when we all get out of this, but like so much of the world I think is gonna change and we might not go back to what we were doing before because we were just doing those things out of habit, out of history. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, are you getting that often? Like, are you, are you leaving your place going for a walk? Like, it's like I'm in Jersey, and we have a essentially like a self isolation policy where you can't leave your uh, your apartment until unless you need like essential things. So even like going out for a walk or like a run has become this kind of like a sanctuary when you can do it.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think I try to step out of my house a couple times a day just to get some air, just to talk on the phone, just to you know do I need to do. I did a big grocery shop before I, I uh, before everything started, but when you talk about essential uh yeah the grocery store is essential um (laughs) you might have to go get some water that's like it it really makes you think what's what's essential and what's not
1: yeah that's the thing is like you know we're quickly figuring out what we really need in our life and how much of that we need to preserve um yeah and i i I think we're going to learn like very soon that just normal social interaction is essential uh and I don't know how long we're going to have to go without it. You know, well, we can still talk on the phone and stuff and FaceTime, but, like, sometimes it's good to see someone.
0: Reach out and touch, I think, is the coin word there that we should use. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> good news. You're off the hot seat. Oh, yeah, I don't know how I did. I don't know if I handled it well. I need, I need, some, I need someone to write about my experience to tell me if I really messed
0: up. <laughs> brother, I appreciate you joining me on the pod today. Stay safe out there and um keep me posted on what's what.
1: Yeah, man, you too. Thanks around, y'all. Everyone who's listening. Hey man, do your best, stay safe, and uh let's flatten the curve if we can and all get out of this in a good place. Yes sir. Mike
0: off thank you so much, brother. Talk to you soon. You too. Scoop B Radio.